Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Dallas Mavericks last night. Final score of that one, 125-114, the first game of the in-season tournament, and an interesting one at that. Uh, very, very fascinating to watch, very, very fascinating to cover, and it has been cool. It's been interesting to chat about uh, how this in-season tournament is going to be handled. I talked about a lot of that on the alley-oop on my most recent episode there. Make sure to go check that out. Uh, but it has been tremendous to watch the Nuggets for the most part, outside of one little blip in the radar, and and they're 5-1 and one now, and it has been pretty good. And they get to go back and play today, so we'll uh, we'll see whether they can maintain that or not. But should be very fascinating to track. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn. Make sure to go follow all of my work at MileHighSports.com and on Bla- uh, NBA Blackburn on Twitter X, wherever you want to call it. Uh, it has been awesome to continue to do this, and it's always a blessing to get to cover the Nuggets. And you never know, like. You never fully appreciate that until you get some some pretty fun nights. And even if they're they're random nights in early November, that's uh that is always good to see. Uh lots to talk about, lots to chat about, and I think we should start with Jokic for obvious reasons. Uh Nikola Jokic is a superhuman. Uh, I saw Nadine was hopping in and talking about that in the early portion of the podcast. Superhuman. Never seen someone so efficient and impactful at the same time. It's true. It really is tremendous, and it has been very fun to watch Nikola Jokic throughout his years. Uh, This past game was another marvel in how impressive it can be when somebody like Nikola just makes every shot that he attempts. Uh, He attempted 16 shots and made 14 of them, so... Not quite perfect. Come on, Nicole. You gotta gotta work a little bit harder than that. But goes for 33 points on 14 of 16, two of two from three, including a buzzer beater three at the end of the half. Which he he must be shooting 75 percent on those threes throughout his career because for whatever reason, anytime he catches the ball with under two seconds left on the clock at the end of a half or at the end of a quarter. It just feels like it's going in pretty much every time. I don't understand it, but he it feels like he makes them more often than he misses. Uh, 33 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. There was a little bit of controversy on whether he actually got that 10th assist or not. I thought that he did. I, I don't know if there will be an official correction. It doesn't seem like there will be based off of the fact that the box score still reads the same. At this point, but 33 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists, obviously something not to sneeze at at all. Uh, But I thought that he had 10. Turns out he didn't. Four turnovers, not that bad. A couple of those were at the beginning of the game, too. So he got better as he went along and just continued to power up. Uh, And whenever he's on that level, it's everybody else's job just to feed him. (laughs) Everybody else's job just to make sure that he is in position where he can score. Because nobody can contest his shot reasonably in the paint right now. Even if it's Rudy Gobert or, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I think, did a pretty good job in the Wednesday game. And I, I know Nicola was pretty unhappy about how he played in that one. 
but nobody else can really do it. Nobody else can really make those shots. And his efficiency is just disgustingly good. And it's never something like you just can't sneeze at it at all. Um, I had a, a quote that went reasonably viral from Michael Malone last night. Uh, he says, quote, the guy is just great every night. You know how hard that is? Like, is anybody in here great at their job every day? I know you guys. I know you're not. And uh, to be clear, he, he was looking at me. <laughs> like everybody, <laughs> he was looking at me. There's, uh, it's it's been a bit of tough round at at Ball Arena for Ryan in these uh, in these first few days. But uh, for the most part, like he's right. Nicola has been dynamic, and it is impossible to be as good as he has been. Uh, I think I saw a stat from Jordan Scott on Twitter as well, where over like since 2020, 21, basically when Jokic won his first MVP, Jokic has played in about, I think, 255 to 256 games. And in all of those games, he has a positive box plus minus in 246 of them. Like It's just very rare for him to be bad now. It's very, very rare. And... It is marvelous to be able to watch that on a consistent basis. So, obviously, I, I don't need to fawn over Joker any any more than anybody else, but I feel like in the general media contingent, I'm probably the least... Uh, I, I go out of my way the least to kind of credit him like this. So, he, he deserves all the credit in the world. He has just welcomed three rookies into the league pretty like strongly <laughs> over the course of this these first six games. Uh, he welcomed Chet Holmgren into the league, Derek Lively, and there was one other that I'm I'm forgetting, uh, but I know that there were three, uh, just young guys that are coming into the league and, and learning how to battle against Jokic for the first time. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen with Victor Wembanyama. I think that's going to be very, very interesting to, to watch how that goes. Before we get into Michael Porter Jr., I'll probably do that in the second segment. Uh, Jamal Murray, he has been amazing as a passer, and I'm not sure anybody really expected that, right? Like Jamal has been John Stockton for the Nuggets over the course of these first six games. 13 assists last night, 18 points on 15 shots. He hasn't been as efficient as I think he would want to be, as the Nuggets would want him to be, but when he's doing the other stuff and passing the ball and he didn't rebound well tonight. And I think he's got to be better at that. But I mean, when, when Jokic Murray and, or when Jokic Porter and Gordon have 14, nine and eight rebounds, like it's just, there's not a ton of rebounds left to go. So it's not like, I'm not really concerned about that in any way. But when Murray is involving himself in the game in other ways beyond just scoring, it makes him such a more dynamic player. And we saw that in the playoffs last year, obviously, especially in the finals where you average 10 assists a game in the finals. And yeah, you're, you're stamped. You are, there is no questions as to like how impactful you are and, and what you can do on a consistent basis. Uh, I just want to go to basketball reference here real quick. He's averaging 8.7 assists per game. 8.7 assists per game in the first six games of the year. For him, and if I go to the leaders on Basketball Reference in terms of total assists, he's now third in the NBA outright in total assists. Dennis Schroeder has 56, Chris Paul has 54, Murray has 52. 
Like, that's so rare. It is genuinely rare for somebody to pass that well. And look, it, he's played six games. Tyrese Halliburton has played only four and has 50. So, like, he's not going to show up at the assist per game leaders, but he has taken a leap in terms of his assisting, in terms of his passing. And he's setting up more than just Jokic. It really does feel like Murray has gone out of his way to deliver the ball to everybody, whether it's guys in transition. He, he sets up Christian Brown a lot with the second unit. Uh, he set up Zeke Naji for an and one last night. And he had a nice dime to Michael Porter Jr. Porter came in and said a, it was very interesting. End of the third quarter. We'll talk about Porter now, I guess, uh, at least on the offensive end. End of the third quarter, Michael Malone does his offense for defense sub. He subs out Peyton Watson for the final shot of the game, subs in Michael Porter uh, for a little bit more spacing. And the Nuggets do something interesting that they don't usually do with Murray and Porter on the floor together. They run a 1-4 brush screen, or like a ghost screen a, a little bit, and trying to get Porter free for an open shot. And it did work. It was kind of a little bit of delay, a little bit of like, not necessarily the, the best delivery, I think, from, from Murray, but he found him through traffic and Porter hits a buzzer beater three on the left wing to end the third quarter. And it was just a nice microcosm of how those guys have evolved in their chemistry, how Murray has evolved as a passer and how Porter is now starting to find a rhythm as a scorer. And it does feel like this is a another layer to Denver's game that they can continue to evolve, that they can continue to push forward. And I just think it's tremendous. I think that there is a lot to like about what those guys have done so far. And with Murray specifically, the passing has been awesome. I know that a lot of people are going to discredit some of his passes for just feeding Nikola, but he feeds Nikola in such a way that Jokic has so many options to score, whether it's the floater, whether it's one spin and then uh, laying the ball up on the other side, whether it is just popping and then like hitting a three or hitting a mid-range jumper, like Murray and Jokic have this tremendous chemistry. And I don't want anybody to minimize like Murray's ability to get him the ball in the shooting pocket as often as he does, because if Jokic, like if he doesn't have to think about catching the ball and he could just think about scoring, then it's an automatic bucket. So it has been awesome to watch those two, obviously. And it just continues to feel like they have built upon it since last year, <laughs> since like over the course of several years. Like the, these guys have gone to wars together and they've, they've gone to the finals together. And so it has been really good to see Denver's offense obviously continues to <laughs> obviously continues to be dynamic. And it has been very fun to watch. Swipe a cam in the chat. This plant has been here, dude. It's it's just the camera angle is slightly different. It's slightly wider. <laughs> the plant has definitely been here. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about Michael Porter and his defensive intensity and his defensive execution on Luka Doncic has been tremendous. We will be right back. But first... Everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Did you know that you could win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook? Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and they will also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. 
All you have to do is place a $25 same game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super book, uh, super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Uh, make sure to visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pick Axe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Uh, got a got some serious uh, some serious trolls in the comment section here. This is wild. Swipe asks, did Michael Malone stare at you when he said, I've seen you be bad at your job? Uh, I, I will neither confirm nor deny uh, that he did exactly what he did in the picture. Uh, no, I, he he actually made a comment about Scott Hastings. Like, put your hand down, Scott, when you're when he was asking, are you, is anybody here perfect at their job? Um, no, he's uh, Michael Malone loves to rib the media a little bit, and he knows he can uh, he can have fun with us, and he can have fun with me, and like he. Calls me out by name, like half of the half of the pressers, and it's fine. Like I, I am perfectly comfortable with it. And no, he's uh, we've got a, a nice, good, um, <laughs> we've got a nice uh, relationship, I would say. Um, Cedric says, "I got my lucky Nuggets jersey on, Ryan, but we won, so you just know we doing good. Good to see you, Cedric. Good to see you hopping in. Uh, it has been tremendous." Uh, to see the support for this show, to see the support for Alleyoop so far, uh, I, things are things are going well. If you could tell, little tired, little a uh, little exhausted, but having a good time regardless. So thank you so much for hopping in. All right, let's chat now about Michael Porter. I'm just going to read off the numbers that NBA.com had. Uh, this I, I knew I knew I had to tweet this last night. Because holy cow, were these numbers tremendous. And I thought, you know what, this is going to bang overnight. And it did. Uh, Luka Doncic, while being guarded by Michael Porter Jr. on Friday night, scored a total of five points, one assist, and shot two of eight from the field, one of five from three. Luka committed five turnovers, five, while being guarded by Porter. And he also drew zero fouls. I don't know if anybody's watched Luca before. I don't know if you've like understood just how difficult it is to not foul Luka Doncic. Michael Porter played a perfect defensive game against Luka Doncic last night. It has been unbelievable to go from where Michael Porter was in the bubble, where the Utah Jazz especially, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, were sussing him out on the defensive end and hunting him down mercilessly. That was three years ago. That was one back surgery ago. And Porter is so much better now. He's smarter. He's more athletic. He's more dynamic and gives better effort and smarter effort against these guys. And Luka Doncic is about the toughest possible cover. The toughest possible cover 
for anybody on a switch. And he hunted Michael Porter mercilessly, mercilessly last night. And it just didn't matter. Like, Porter was the best defender on the team, and it wasn't close. And KCP's been first team all defense through the first, like, the first few games here. Aaron Gordon is the primary matchup on on Luka Doncic for a reason. He's great, and he's built exactly for this kind of matchup. And yet it was Michael Porter, the guy who won the defensive player of the game chain, who just was fantastic guarding Luka, and did everything that you needed to do. He's fantastic. And and I just can't get enough of what Michael Porter has provided for this team and, and how he has evolved as a player, as a person, as somebody who doesn't need to be Carmelo Anthony or Kobe Bryant or Dwayne Wade or any of these, like or Tracy McGrady or somebody like that, any of these high-volume scorers that get to isolate, that get to... Uh, really focus on their own scoring and not have to worry about impacting the game in other ways. Michael Porter had to evolve. That was how he was going to be successful with the Nuggets specifically. They were not just going to let him play his game. He had to play the Nuggets game. And as he has continued to get better, the Nuggets have allowed him uh, the freedom to take some shots every now and then. But for the most part, it is a Clay Thompson approximate. It is a floor spacing for approximate. He is their stretch guy who can sometimes do a little bit more. And other than that, he is a role player who is doing everything possible to fit in, which is so rare for a former number one overall recruit for somebody who like he was considered one of the greatest high school basketball players to ever play the game. And I can't get enough of the way that he's evolved and the way that he has transitioned into this awesome defender somehow. Like, I didn't have any questions through the first five games about his defense. And then he actually figures some stuff out offensively in this last game too, and we can talk about that here shortly. But for the most part, his defense has been good. It's been really good. And he just continues, even on this bum ankle that he has, and he talked about it last night and talked about how he only feels like he's about 70 to 75% on that ankle. And that might be an overstatement. It might be exactly right. Like he started the year and probably was about 50% on that ankle and has since evolved and gotten a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier. And he's starting to feel like himself again, at least a little bit. But for him to do what he did, contesting shots without fouling, using his length, being smart against a guy like Luca, that won Denver the game because everybody else was getting cooked by Luca. Everybody else is getting cooked by Kyrie too. Like those guys were awesome and they scored 114. And the reason why they didn't score 126 and beat Denver was because of Michael Porter. How insane is that? Like, just think about what I just said. It's tremendous. It has been it has been awesome to cover and awesome to watch. Uh, a massive bounce back for him. We should talk about the offensive end too. He had struggled a little bit. I think he was 10 of 32, 10 of 37, something like that from the three-point range heading into last night. But he goes for 24 points, 10 of 18 from the field, 4 of 8 from three, nine rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Um, I don't even know if those blocks were on Luka specifically. I think one of them might have been like a stripped kind of steal while Luka was in the shooting motion. So that they counted as a block. That's the KCP special. 
But for the most part, uh, Michael Porter was just contesting really well on the defensive end, and then he got out and ran. Jokic and Murray both hit him hit him ahead for passes and got him some easy plays. Porter also had a number of easy shots around the rim where he used his size a little bit better, used his physicality a little bit better, and that's a good sign that the ankle was feeling at least a little bit better than before. Uh, goes four of eight from three, a better shooting number than he had over the course of the previous five games, and he just looks better. He looks more involved, and this was a very focused Nuggets group trying to get him opportunities. And it was just nice to see in season tournament, like just nice to see them really deliver and really push him forward on, on just what they, what they wanted to see from him and what they wanted to to see him do. And he does look like he's fully a part of things now. There was a period of time through the first five games where he was just kind of standing on the side, kind of standing like maybe the occasional DHO, but wasn't super involved. Now it feels way better. So tremendous stuff from Porter. He deserves a ton of credit. Couple more things before we hit another break. Um, I like the way that Denver continues to do their rotation. I know that Peyton Watson in 13 minutes was a minus 14. I didn't see him doing anything wrong specifically, any like particular reason why he was minus 14. I think that was more... That was more circumstantial. And like Peyton Watson had a couple of nice blocks. He had a couple of nice blocks. He had a nice block in transition for sure to save a layup and save points for Denver. And he didn't necessarily play his best on the offensive end, but I still like the way that he handled things. Zeke Naji had an and one delivered by Jamal Murray. Reggie Jackson, not a good game from Reggie, although he did have four steals. So he continues to find other ways to contribute. And, and then Christian Brown had five rebounds. and. Had a couple of nice uh, finishes in transition. Also had an and one in the fourth quarter, which was a big deal. I'm. There are things that you can quibble with. There are things you can be concerned about. I thought that Dallas specifically did a good job, especially at the end of the third, third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, where they loaded up with both Luka and Kyrie against Denver's bench that just featured Murray and the four bench guys. And that didn't work well for Denver. They definitely need to find other ways. But like, look, that's circumstantial. And that's that's something that's going to happen. And if teams are going to load up their two best players on Denver's bench unit, the Nuggets are just going to lose those minutes. And that's, there's no shame in that at all. So one of the reasons they can do that is because the starters have been so good. And like if Dallas isn't going to win those minutes by a tremendous amount, like if the lowest plus minus on the bench is going to be minus 14, and there are still other guys that are minus four, Minus five, like Zeke Naji, for what it's worth, in the like he's playing the minutes that Jokic wasn't out there. He was a minus four, so Denver was a minus four in the minutes that Nikola Jokic didn't play. Actually, actually, they were a minus six because there was a brief stretch where they played Murray, KCP, CB, MPJ, AG. Uh, they played the four starters not named Jokic, and then Christian Brown with them. So I think they played that for like forty seconds. It didn't go like perfectly. But I want to see that again, and I think that's a that's another thing that they can go to in the future. Uh, but it was nice. It was nice to see the way that they delivered, and I think a lot of guys uh, have like there should be a lot of credit being dished out for for last night's game. I don't want to just put it on Porter or Jokic or Murray or guys like that. Aaron Gordon had an awesome up and under layup off of a baseline cut, and Peyton Watson had that sweet dunk going down the the left lane 
where he basically stole the ball from from uh, KCP, I believe. It was uh, pretty funny. Just just a pretty funny way to to see this go down. But it was a great game. Great game from the Nuggets, and they deserve a ton of credit. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about tonight. We're going to chat about Denver-Chicago and what to expect Nuggets fans from tonight's matchup. But first, let's go to this message from Good Morning Broncos. Good Morning Broncos is on every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Make sure to go check it out. Really appreciate all the love. Really appreciate all the support. And if you haven't already, please subscribe down to the MHS YouTube channel. It helps out a tremendous amount. And I know that there's a lot of kind of wide-ranging coverage that we're trying to do on the account. So would be awesome if you do. Would be very, very cool. Um Getting some compliments on the mustache, or, or maybe that isn't a compliment. I, it says you, this guy says you look older with the mustache. LOL. I I think that's a compliment, but I don't know. Like, it's not bad. It could it could be better. It could be better. It need need some time to develop. I think. All right, final segment here. Let's chat about tonight's matchup against the Chicago Bulls. Denver, of course, is on a back to back. First end of the back to back was the in season tournament. Actually, let's let's go on that really quickly here. So. Denver wins their first in-season tournament game. They are in a pool with other teams like the Houston Rockets, uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans, and I believe the LA Clippers. None of those teams played last night, so the Nuggets are the only team in their group specifically that actually had a game. So they're 1-0. The Dallas Mavericks are 0-1 in group play, and Denver as well is on their way at this point to getting a berth to Las Vegas. They will also play the Clippers. They'll also play the Rockets. They'll also play uh, the Pelicans. And once they once those games are done throughout the year, they will be determined whether Denver wins the group or whether another team wins the group. I think Dallas is probably the least, like less likely to win the group now. I would have said that they, they could have definitely won it after or before last night had they beat Denver. But I just... I. It's hard to see Denver losing a ton of games right now. Now, what I will say is that a couple of those ending games, I believe it's it's not the Clippers. I believe it's the Pelicans and the Rockets. They're kind of on one end of a five-game road trip, like either end of the five-game road trip. I know that the Rockets game is the final game of a five-game road trip. And that should be like, that's actually a, a pretty interesting factor when it comes to how the schedule is designed, how the schedule is maintained. Now, this game, Denver didn't exactly have a ton of rest either, but they delivered and they made it work. Traveling to Houston and against a team that you're probably not as concerned about as a team that features Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, I have no doubt that Denver will bring a little bit less focus to those games than they did to this one, the first of the in-season tournament games. But we'll, we'll find out together. It should be a very interesting thing to track. The other interesting thing to track, obviously, is the resting rules, is the back-to-back rules and and how Denver is going to handle that. They are not on national TV tonight, so they are allowed to rest basically as many guys as they want to. 
And on the second night of a back-to-back, and after a game where Denver played their starters a pretty heavy minutes, Murray goes for 39, KCP 37, Jokic 36, Porter 34, AG 35. Like all those guys play mid to high 30s in the minute counts, and you're going into game seven of the season. Michael Malone said it's possible that Jabal Murray does not play. He said it's very possible and that he would look into that. Uh, I know that Murray was gone by the time that Malone was going to actually talk to him. So it is interesting. Murray was out of there. He was ready to go. And I think he he wants to probably play tomorrow. So he's going to rest up as, as or play tonight. So he's going to rest up as much as possible, see whether he can go. And we'll probably get a picture of that in the next couple hours or so, whether he's going to play. Uh, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if he sits. Michael Porter sounded like he was fine, but they might decide, hey, ankle injuries, like it's healing up. Don't want to give it any reason to have a setback on a second out of a back-to-back. So he is also a, a threat to sit out. I don't think that Gordon is. I don't think that KCP is. I don't think that Jokic is. I think that those guys will play. And then the other guys off the bench are young. So like, unless they're dealing with something specific, like Christian Brown was dealing with an injury on the injury report. Maybe they look to him. Uh, Nikola Jokic last night also said that his back felt fine. Um, so he'll probably play. I, I'm not I'm not really concerned about that. They'll be facing Chicago, who is who's had a rough one. They have they have had a rough go at it. And they benched Patrick Williams in this last game. Going into it, like going into the season, they were starting Kobe White, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. I don't know what happened, but last night they started Tory Craig. They started Tory Craig instead of Patrick Williams, hoping that that would work. And Patrick Williams played off the bench. He played a, a reasonable role off the bench, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 of 6 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3 in 21 minutes, and he was a plus 10. And the Brooklyn Nets won by 2. So, uh, Chicago's not playing that great. Chicago's 2-4. and four. They had a players-only meeting at the beginning of the year after the first game of the season. They've had some, like, they had a really nice kind of comeback win with Alex Caruso hitting a game winner at one point for one of their their, uh, particular wins. So that could have gone the other way. And when you're in situations like that, this is a situation where, because Chicago played last night too, they're going to be hungry. Like, they lost. They're going to come in, and they're going to come into altitude, and they're going to try. But it's an altitude back-to-back. And it just wouldn't shock me if Chicago kind of snapped a little bit, whether that's in a good way or a bad way for them. I'm not really sure. They may just say, screw it. We are going to deliver. We are going to dominate no matter what the matchup is. But they also could lose by 30 and they also could just explode on like, like during that game. So I don't really know what to expect from Chicago. I think that they... They give Denver some issues. I don't want to go out of my way here and say, oh, yeah, no, they're they're definitely like they've got Denver's number or anything like that. But Vucevic shoots pretty efficiently against Jokic. He knows how to play against them. Uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan are interesting scorers against Jokic specifically. Levine in particular is so quick and so athletic that it's hard for Denver to keep up with him. And especially Jokic, when, when you're running pick and roll at Jokic or running DHOs, and he has to cover a lot of ground, Levine could just kind of get to the rack and then like he'll he'll get to his spots pretty easily. So wouldn't surprise me if he has a really good game. KCP's got to deliver. Like KCP's gonna be the the primary matchup on Zach Levine, I'd guess. 
and then Aaron Gordon will be the matchup on DeMar DeRozan. Those guys are going to have to deliver. And DeMar basically, like, he shoots really well against Aaron Gordon most of the time. Zach Levine shoots pretty well against KCP. So it's going to be tough. I I would be surprised if they, like, if Denver had a good defensive game coming on a back-to-back. But also Chicago could have dead legs. And maybe DeRozan and Levine, they're just short on their jumpers or just not getting to the free throw line as often as they probably could with worse legs. So it's going to be fascinating. Caruso will be impactful against Jamal Murray. Uh, Torrey Craig will probably defend Jamal Murray as well, if Jamal even plays. Because it might just be Reggie. It might be Reggie in the starting lineup. And if that's the case, then Denver's going to have to figure some things out. Reggie will guard Kobe White. Kobe White's pretty good. And he had a really nice game against the Nuggets in the preseason. So I don't know whether that's going to translate to the regular season. Maybe Denver's intensity will be way better. And if that's the case, then... It wouldn't surprise me if if this goes the other way and Denver just shows that they're a much better team than Chicago. But Chicago's kind of on that Fritz area right now. Two and four. If they go down to two and five, you start really having some hard questions. And if you are the Nuggets, second out of a back-to-back, they might feel like they could they could drop this one and be okay, given that they're five and one. But it would be awesome if they could go up six and one. Like the way that the season has started. Kind of expected one of those games, whether it was Memphis or OKC or the Lakers game on opening night, kind of expected them to drop one of those games, and they don't. Instead, they lose the Minnesota game, even though that's like it's a tough matchup, and but they did have some rest on that one. But that's okay. Like you can drop one, especially on the road. It's not a big deal. You're not gonna go 82 and 0. If Denver could deliver on their home floor again and just stay on track and then be responsible and go up six and one and not let uh, <laughs> not let any of these uh, these factors kind of impede them, then I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't make it happen. Really quickly on the rotation, if Jamal doesn't play, Reggie Jackson will start. Who comes off the bench for backup point guard minutes? Um, that's something that Denver doesn't hasn't Really had to deal with, obviously. Murray hasn't sat at any point so far this year. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Jalen Pickett might get an opportunity. I wouldn't be shocked if Denver goes without a point guard at various points and they just decide, you know what? Screw it. KCP, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. We're going to get the four best defenders on the team. We're going to get those guys. We're going to get the dynamic options. Uh, the players that can switch as much as possible. We're going to get out and run, and we're just going to have Jokic operate at the DHL. We're just going to have him operate in the post. And we're going to try to squeeze the life out of Chicago's offense. It might work. It might work. That would be very interesting. It would remind me very strongly, if they did that, of the Memphis game last year. If you recall, Denver played Memphis on December 20th of 2023, and they missed Murray and Porter and started Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and they allowed like 90 points to Memphis and won in a a very low scoring game. It wouldn't shock me if they did that. It wouldn't shock me if they decided to go with an all defensive group. But maybe they go with Julian Strother. Maybe they try to get Julian Strother in and, and try to space the floor a little bit, give a little bit more dynamic uh, shooting to a second unit. Maybe 
Julian Strother even staggers with the first unit. And you can provide another DHO option for somebody like Joker. So I'm curious to see how Malone handles it. I think he's going to try to open up the bench a little bit. Who he goes to in that situation will be fascinating, whether it's Pickett, whether it's Strother, maybe it's Justin Holiday, uh, a veteran who I think will be pretty interested. So we will see how it goes. But uh, I'm curious, folks. I think this has been a fun start to the season. It has been really, really good to watch. And like I said with Michael Porter, if he is playing the way that he's playing, Denver just feels like a different level from most teams. Boston's the only team I think you can actually have a a question about. Uh, Boston's been tremendous so far this year, but with the way that Denver has played, I, I'd take Denver in a matchup. I really would. I think that they would absolutely, would absolutely make it happen. So we will see. We will see what happens. But for now, folks, I think that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I really do appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below. Uh, if you can, that would be tremendous. Go follow the Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn on YouTube and, and go check out some of that content over there if you're looking for more NBA perspective. Uh, weekends with Swipa. Weekends with Swipa will be out tomorrow. I haven't talked to Swiper yet about morning or afternoon, morning or evening, but it will be out tomorrow and we'll get a full perspective on the week and maybe some perspective on the in-season tournament. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate it, everybody. We'll talk to you guys very soon.